Welcome to This Week in Photo. Bandwidth for this podcast is brought to you by CashFly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace.com, the fast and easy way to publish a high-quality website or blog. For a free 14-day trial, go to Squarespace.com forward slash TWIP and be sure to check out their annual plans for savings of up to 30% off your account for six months. This episode is also brought to you by Hover.com. Hover is domain name registration and management that's simple. For Hover's transfer concierge service, free for our audience, go to Hover.com forward slash TWIP. This week on TWIP, Google Plus for photographers, photographing your own heart surgery, and an interview with Photo Jack. Jack Hollingsworth. It's Sunday, July 10th, 2011, and this is Twitter. Welcome back to TWIP, your weekly helping of photographic inspiration. I am your host, Frederick Van Johnson, and joining me today on the show are Miss Nicole Young, Robert Evans, and Bruce Clark. Hey, guys. Hey. Good day. All right. We, got a ni- we have a nice mix of talent. We've got stock photographer. We've got two wedding photographer, one celebrity wedding photographer. Um, so, And we have some stories that don't relate to any of you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Which I was is- reading the show notes and going, uh-oh. <laughs> this is perfect. That's the, that's the perfect way it should be. <laughs> cool. All right. So before we get started, Nicole, you haven't been on in a while, and I've seen your Twitter stream. You are Your house is probably full of boxes right now, right? N- not yet. Give me probably a month, and I'll be full of boxes. Uh, What's going but- on? You're abandoning, abandoning Utah? I thought it was beautiful out there. I am... I am- relocating to seattle in <laughs> september and what's in seattle i hear it's just like barren desert there's nothing uh, yeah. there <laughs> yeah i'm just gonna you know live in a shack by the water somewhere so that's awesome everybody's moving north joseph Lamaski's <laughs> up there somewhere or he's in oregon i think um and uh so what what brings you to seattle i you know it's really i just wanted to change i don't have i'm not grounded anywhere you know being single no kids and i don't own any property so uh i just thought it would be a fun you know saddle's kind of been on my like i guess list of places that i've always wanted to experience and i can i'm taking advantage of my lifestyle that i you know i work out of my my home so uh you can be anywhere right i can i mean i could literally live anywhere in the world and and do what i do photographers take note nicole is the picture of things to come i think everyone <laughs> should be moving in that direction speaking of that robert evans you ditched your studio right and you're you're not you know i mean you're not as free as nicole but but yeah, you don't no. have a studio because right? i have three kids and a wife and a house right in <laughs> so. a house but yeah i moved uh i was an la boy and i moved to orange county a few years ago um you know we moved down here for our kids closer to grandma uh, the schools are all amazing. Um, and I really like it. I actually kind of came down here kicking and screaming and, uh, kind of thought that I wouldn't like it, but you know what? I, I mean, I love it. I walk my kids to school every day and I don't hear helicopters and sirens and I'm up in LA, like, you know, one, maybe two days a week, but it's not bad. You know, it's only about an hour drive and, um, I really enjoy it down here. That's cool. That's cool. And Bruce Clark, uh, another testament that you, physical location doesn't really matter. We're all down here in the uh, in, in the United States, and you're up in Alberta. What's what's going mm-hmm. on with you? 
Well, not too much. We're in the in the throes of wedding season up here in Alberta. We have a pretty short wedding season. Uh, it really really heats up in June, and it kind of winds down in, in September. So this is kind of the thick of wedding season. You know, I always wonder. There, I always hear the term wedding season. Is there a divorce season? Like, is there, <laughs> is there like a time when people just like you know, it, it, like statistically speaking, people generally say, you know what, let's get rid of this thing. It's about six months after wedding season. <laughs> During the winter, <laughs> during the winter months, that's awesome. Yeah, let's uh, yeah, let's not encourage that. <laughs> All right, uh, let's see. Before we get started, let's uh, give a quick nod to our sponsor. One of our sponsors, it's Squarespace.com. They're the fast and easy way to publish a high-quality website or blog. And as we've been saying on the show, they've got an amazingly easy-to-use user interface for creating and managing your web presence, whether you are trying to develop a website or a blog, and it's optimized for both people that are new to creating this kind of stuff and people who understand what the acronym CSS means. Um, And if you don't want to get into any of that stuff, you can just pick a template and just tweak it from there. Their service includes several modules that you can throw in, including WordPress, Blogger, Movable Type, um, all kinds of stuff. Well, Movable Type, you can import and export from those services. You can build a uh, forum module in there. You can throw forms on your site. You can import your Flickr stream, all kinds of stuff. Google Maps, it just goes on and on and on. So basically, these guys are, are putting together a service that allows you to build whatever kind of website you want or blog and incorporate the latest sort of drag and drop Ajax kind of things into it and while keeping it iOS and mobile friendly. So none of that stuff you have to worry about. You just turn it on and go. And uh, if you'd like to get a 14-day free trial, anyone can go to the site and sign up for that. You can go month to month, so you don't have to commit. Like some services like this make you, you know, commit, and then you're if you don't like it, and you're screwed. Uh, but with Squarespace, you can go month to month and then end it. And this the month to month kicks in after the free trial, so it's pretty safe. And then um, you can get 10% off after the after your free trial for a one-year commitment, or 20% off a two-year commitment and if you'd like to get that 14 day free trial and these these discounts just head over to squarespace.com forward slash twip and sign up for your free account you don't need a credit card just sign it up try it out and they've also got other annual plans that give you savings of up to 30 percent off your account for six months again that's squarespace.com forward slash twip all right guys on to story number one fujifilm um, is aiming to be the number three. How, how do you aim to be number three? I think you aim to be number one. <laughs> they're, they're aiming to be number three. Aim high, Fuji. Um, they're realistic. In you the know? world for camera. No, but you, if you hit three, but you aim for one, then that's, that's acceptable. You Maybe once three. you get to three, then you aim for one. Well, yeah, people would laugh if they said they aim to be number one because ever, I mean, Canon and Nikon are just too big. No, to I don't agree. Really... I think you should, you should always aim <laughs> to own, be number one. So do you own any Fuji cameras, Frederick? <laughs> no, I don't. Okay. <laughs> Point taken. I don't. I don't. So Bruce, what do, what do you think about this? So you think Fuji is, you think they can make a comeback and make a dent? Like Nicole was saying, yeah, Nikon, Canon, Sony, Pentax, you know, all these guys kind of have a lock on the market. Is it uh, is it too late for Fuji? Well, I don't think they can. Uh, like uh, Nicole was saying, I, I don't think they can break that one two of uh, Canon and Nikon. It's going to be pretty tough to to get up there. But um, yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of 
shuffling going on right now in in the uh, sort of three, four, or five spots. There, you, you know, we have another story we're talking about today about uh, Rico, and mm-hmm. so you've got you know a lot of it seems to be a lot of shuffling happening in that. Um, everybody's fighting for that third spot, much like the you know you've got the mobile market. You're seeing the same thing where you sort of have Apple dominating, and then you've got you know. Uh, Android uh, coming up, and then everybody else sort of fighting for three, yeah. and it's a pretty big market. So I mean, even even third place could still be a pretty decent market if they can if they can put out some good equipment and and uh, capture some some good market share. Yeah, they, I think they have to innovate. Nicole, would, would you would you so working photographer, right? So would you consider if if Fuji came out with some magic camera that that you know you could just press a button and it flies to a shoot by itself and takes pictures? Would you? Would you consider switching away from Canon to go to Fuji? Probably not. And I mean, it's mostly because, I mean, if they held consistency and had like for like five years, these amazing cameras that were DSLRs that rivaled, you know, Canon and Nikon, uh, then maybe. But with it, you know, like they come out, like they have the Fuji X100, which I have, but it's kind of my secondary camera. You know, it's not, I'll use it for, for my professional stuff, but which is one of the reasons that I love it because, you know, the sensor is so big, but it's not going to be my, okay, I'm going to go do a food shoot. So I'm going to grab my Fuji X100. You know, it's not going to be anything like that, but no, I I wouldn't, I mean, I wouldn't even switch to Nikon because I've already gone, you know, for back and forth. And I love the, uh, it's, it's not as much about quality as it is because they're all pretty comparable. It's about how I feel when I hold the camera and where the, the, the buttons are and how the menu works. It's, you know, and it's really difficult to get to a new, used to a new system. So Yeah, yeah. Robert, what about you? You've been shooting for, for a long time. Is there anything that a new camera manufacturer like Fuji could introduce that would tempt you away from, from Canon right now? They could offer to give me free cameras for the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a sustainable business model. I, <laughs> um, I I would be open to it. I mean, I'm pretty Canon loyal myself. And um, like Nicole mentioned, I mean, the ergonomics of the camera, how it feels in your hand and using it. You know, I have a, one of my other photographers I shoot with. He shoots Nikon and, you know, like I pick his camera up. He can pick mine up and have no problem with it. But I pick his up and I just feel like, you know. You know, have boxing gloves on, and yeah, yeah. Um, well, that's muscle memory, right? I mean, you you're just you've been shooting with the camera for or with that particular yeah, brand just, forever. You don't even have to think when you start messing with the menus and the programs. And I realize you just need some take some time to educate yourself on a new piece of equipment. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I'd be open to it definitely. I mean, it depends on like what it did. I mean, I'm still brand loyal to Canon. You know, being that that's what I've always used. Plus, now you know, doing a bunch of video stuff, and it, it does both for me and. So, but is there space? I mean, Fuji, if they're if they're they're again aiming to be number three, is there space for them to maybe innovate in another area? You know, instead of like maybe they succeed and say, you know, uh, Canon, Nikon, you got this. We're going to go after the, I don't know, market. Is there is there another market for them to go after? Uh, I don't know, Bruce. Is there something else that Fuji could do? Well, that X100 has me curious, and I, I was actually curious to ask Nicole because um, she's had some more time to uh, to have her X100, sort of what her experiences are with it. And isn't your cat named Fuji? Yeah. So, so I figured you'd be Fuji brand loyal. <laughs> Wait a minute. How did I you know, know Nicole's cat was I, named Fuji? <laughs> she just famous. put it on Twitter. <laughs> wow. No, to, to clarify, the fact that my cat is named Fuji is he's named after the mountain in Japan, mm. but it oh, just okay. happens to work with the film. So it I would, kind of I a- would, I would argue that 
that the Fuji company, Fuji Film, is probably named after that mountain too. <laughs> Seriously? Yeah, I'm, I'm just throwing it out there. I don't know. <laughs> I have a quick question, Frederick. Yeah. In the in the article that's online that with connection to the show notes, and there's a paragraph that says in digital still cameras unit sales, Fuji Film says it's currently in the fifth position behind Canon, Sony, Nikon, Samsung. Does that mean that Sony's number two to Canon and not Nikon? Mm, I don't know. I don't know. That's that's interesting. I wonder, I, you know, statistics, it's like what lies, damn lies and statistics, you know, it depends on how you cut it and what segment you look at. You know, are we looking at people who who have purchased new DSLRs in the last six months? Are we looking at the overall installed base? You know, you could you could spin numbers however you want. So who knows? We'll have to ask them. Maybe one of the one of those guys can chime in and give us give us better numbers on that. All right, story number two is hot, hot, hot over the last couple of weeks. Google has introduced a new product called Google Plus, and you know, looks like they're they're throwing a barbecue in Facebook's backyard without Facebook's permission. <laughs> so it's uh, pretty interesting and lots of cool stuff in there with regard to how you can share your images back and forth. I'm sure there's, you know, who, the folks that are listening to this show have probably played around with it and at least read one or two articles about it. One of the interesting things is um, Google's terms of service in regards to image sharing and how you can share your images and what that means. Terms of service and those sorts of things always come into play with these social media and, and sharing services. And Google Plus is no exception. Nicole, can you want to take us through what they said and and maybe a the suggested way around it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, basically, they're they're in a nutshell. They're saying you know you own, if you post a photo on well they basically they say like post display and all these words you know but. My take on it is if you host your photos through the Google service, meaning you upload them on Google+, Plus, uh, then they have an, a royalty-free license to use it however they want. And that's kind of the bottom line. You know, you, you maintain your copyright, but it's out there. And there's a lot of photo-sharing websites that have these kinds of things hidden under, you know, there's a Twitter, it was like with Twitter, they were saying stuff like that. And it was like a month ago that was kind of big. So a lot of people have, I'm sorry, TwitPic, not Twitter. Twitter. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They were coming back from. There's people are kind of shying away from using TwitPic. Um, but my, the way I read it is, I I don't really plan on ever posting photos to Google Plus other than I have like a profile picture on there. I'll just link everything. Like I put things on 500 pics or uh, maybe Instagram. If, if I could probably link from Instagram um, or my blog, I'll just link it to you know on google plus to those other sites i mean and legally i doubt that they could say well because you displayed it you know then we can do whatever we want with it because i just yeah. mean, that would mean they the, can't do that that would mean the entire, the entire internet, internet belongs yeah. to google because <laughs> anyone can link to anything you know so yeah. google can't say well you link to this person's photo so we can use it however we, they can't do that yeah so i'm no lawyer but you know uh <laughs> so. yeah i don't know so the, robert evans are you're familiar with google plus i'm sure i don't know if you're using it um are you just you know the the terms of service stuff notwithstanding, what do you think of the service and and are you going to move to it from Facebook? Well, actually, um, I just kind of caught wind of it this week, and and I read basically what you were just talking about. So my first uh, introduction to it was negative, so to speak, in that they're Uh-oh. like, yeah, if you put our picture, if you put your pictures up, we can do whatever we want with them, and yeah. you know that leaves me like, okay, I'm out. Um, I'm definitely will check it out. I, I quite honestly haven't even played with it yet or looked at it. Uh, you know, I'm always, you know, I'm a guy I like new things, gadgets, toys, you know, I'll, I'll check it out and see what it's about. And, uh, you know, but, uh, if the photo thing, you know, I, I'm very unlikely to put up 
you know, images like that, if, the, if that's what they're going to do with the terms of service. I mean, I did the same thing when I read that about TwitPic. I changed my Twitter, you know, to one of the, one of the other ones besides TwitPic. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Bruce Clark, there's other things floating around there about, about Google plus, including Thomas Hawk. You know, he, he did a comparison comparing traffic generated from Facebook versus Twitter versus Flickr versus 500 picks, et cetera. Would yeah, and, and I know you know about this article because you put it in the show notes because you wrote mm. the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you what do you think about this? Well, he, he did it um, probably a couple of weeks ago now, maybe a week and a half ago. So I mean, Google Plus is it's that shiny new thing, and what his findings were, he, he sort of did a bit of an experiment and shared some photos across all those different services you mentioned, and then just sort of looked to see where the most engagement and sort of traffic was coming from. And he most of it, a lot of it, seemed to be coming from Google Plus, or he was finding the engagement was higher with Google Plus. But it's hard to say at this stage of the game, as I think it's still it's the new shiny toy, right? So everybody's keen to go try it out and very active in it but i'd say the the taste the the uh, test will be in six months or a year is are you gonna have that network effect of people moving from facebook to google plus there's a lot of people jumping on it right now i just saw an article this morning uh that they were saying there's a 4.5 million users already on google plus and it's only been out for a couple weeks so it's um, it's interesting. There's some, you know, I've seen some other folks on there who are using it quite actively. I know Trey Ratcliffe's on there a lot, and he seems to be doing a lot of Hangouts. Yeah. So Google Plus has these video kind of Hangouts where you can just start a Hangout and. You I know, it's, it's funny. People. It's funny you say that because I've been chatting back and forth with Trey Ratcliffe, and he's apparently on a plane right now, and has agreed to if I can, <laughs> if I can bring him in, I'm going to try it. But he's sitting in his plane in a, in a seat on a plane on Skype. We'll see. Cool. I'm gonna try. To, <laughs> I'm trying to dial him in live now, so this might be a complete fail, depending on but the airline he's I, on. <laughs> I, I posted on Google Plus, and um, just that we were recording, and somebody somebody wanted me to ask the question, Frederick. So I have to ask it from you. And, yes. I, and he was asking about the forums. Uh oh. <laughs> he asked if we've given up on the forums. Or we not. So have not. We have not given up on the forums. In fact, the forums. Uh, here's the update on the t- this week in photo forums. So. The old forums died because they were a WordPress plugin, and This Week in Photo was hosted on WordPress, and the plugin couldn't scale with the amount of traffic, as folks know, so we shut the forums down um, and f- searched for a new forum back in, found one, installed it, which is vBulletin, and that is actually live. It's up right now. It's just closed off to new people coming in, um, and we have a developer that's actually making it look all beautiful and rearranging the furniture and putting paintings on the wall and all that stuff and getting ready for the masses to come back in should be ready in about a week or so. So it is, uh, it's up, it's installed, it's ready and we will announce it and open the doors very shortly, hopefully by the next show. Don't hold me to it, but by very soon it'll be ready to, to open the door. So we have not, we have not forsaken the forum community. We just had to, uh, we had to do this hiccup and plus in between there, I moved. So I had a lot of stuff going on and wasn't able to give that stuff the uh, all the attention that it needed so you know back to the just with the google plus thing though i i kind of would like to add my my two cents on it because i've been using it pretty solid for probably a week a little over a week now and uh it's it's kind of like i personally wouldn't get rid of facebook because facebook for me is friends and family i'm very selective with who i actually approve as a friend i i don't let people in typically that i don't know because i want to keep kind of 
a little part of me, you know, I mean, I, everything you put out there can, you know, it's like big brothers watching, but I still want to keep it like, okay, these are my family pictures. So everybody look at that. Now you can do that on Google plus. The problem is getting the people who are on Facebook that are like, you know, my dad maybe looks at Facebook a few times a week to actually get him to, to try a new social networking site. I'm going to try it. Most of the photographers I know will probably try it because that's what we do. But the people who are still like, you know, the baby boomers who like are like, what's Facebook? <laughs> they're yeah. going to, you know, they're more likely to stay with what they know. So, but the great thing about Google Plus is it's kind of like you can have the same follow and follow back mentality that you have on Twitter where you don't have to be like friends with everyone. You don't have to follow everyone back, but you have the same type of content and interactivity that you do with Facebook. So it's kind of, I see them kind of as like a, a merged and I really like it. I love the hangouts. I've been in a few of them actually with Trey yeah. and it's just, it's great. You know, you, I've made some already like some networking connections with people and it's, I, I have so maybe a lot there's of, there's room for both, right? Who, I, I who think says so. you have I to have one one social network? I mean, I you know there's, there's it's a double edged blade, a double double edged sword because you have all this stuff going on. You've got Foursquare, Twitter, uh, Instagram, Google Plus, Facebook goes on and on and on and on and on, right? So you have to keep up with all this stuff. Um, but on the other hand, Facebook is a 300 pound gorilla in this space. Clearly, with Twitter, you know, a close second, I think. Um, why why not have another competitor to Facebook to get that spirit of, you know, leapfrogging, right? Yeah. Which which makes everyone better. Yeah. yeah, one of the other things I really like about it is these uh sparks. Yeah. Can, what are those? So basically they're like news feeds and you can pick different interests and the photography spark news feed is actually pretty good. There's some good stories in there. So I see that as a good source of uh, source of news. There's there's some you know I'm sure they're going to be rolling out more features and changing it as they go along. There's definitely some some limitations. I you know when I reconnected my account and signed up for it, I was like, oh Picasso, oh yeah, I remember that thing. Yeah, I, yeah, I, exactly. I put a couple photos up there once. So I wonder what that might do for um, you know for the Picasso brand and for you know for what does that mean for sites like Flickr and others if you know people start adopting Google Google Plus, will that drive them to to Picasa or whatever Picasa may become if they decide to rebrand it and make yeah. it some part of Google Plus. Now, Robert, you're you're using Facebook a lot, right? And Twitter right. and Twitter a lot. Do you? I mean, notwithstanding sharing images on Google Plus, but do you see yourself introducing Google Plus into your overall marketing mix? Oh, sure. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> like I said, I really haven't. I, I heard about it this week, and I really I've kind of been a little busy, so I haven't had the time to get on there and play. But uh, you know, definitely. Uh, I'll get on there and uh, can you just create an account? How does it work? Yeah, I think currently, Nicole, right? You have to be invited to get on there. Yeah. And for everyone out there who, if you guys want to be on Google Plus and you want an invite, uh, Trey Ratcliffe's Facebook page, I think it's Stuck in Customs. It's probably facebook.com slash, I'm assuming, Stuck in Customs. Uh, If you like his page, you'll see that people are saying, okay, invites are open. Put your email here and I'll send you an invite. So you have to be able to, you know, you have to be willing to put your email address out there. Uh, for everyone to see, but I've been actually active, you know, adding people, inviting people through that when I have, you know, I don't know, 30 minutes and I'm just going to be sitting at my computer. So, so go check out his uh, Facebook page if you want an invite and it's a good way. It's a kind of a pay it forward kind of thing. Yeah. I can also send you an invite to uh, Robert. I have um, eight, eight Google plus invites at the moment. So it seems they're like, they're doing it like they did with Gmail when it first launched. Right. They get so many Gmail or so many invites. Right. So it was kind of convoluted the first week on how to get somebody in and how to invite people. So that, uh, yeah, I'm still unclear on how. I'm looking at my Google Plus page right now. Go to the, to, you go to the home page, and then on the right, it'll at the bottom, it'll say in, on the bottom right, 
it'll say uh, invite people to join google plus yeah Yeah, i see it and i don't see any limit on mine i've just been inviting i think they kind of open it and then they close it and then they open it and they close it so okay i don't know if there's i don't i've never seen that there's been a limit so awesome all right well i'll invite people too so yeah no i'd like one all right, we'll get you. But I think one. it has to g- be a Gmail account, does it not? Yeah, uh, they they probably uh, send you an email saying you'll need a Gmail account. I don't know. I've you, I have. you have to have one to get a Google Plus account. I have, so if, I have one. Yeah. All right, Robert, I am inviting you right now. I just sent you an <laughs> invite. <laughs> I'm not going to scream out my email over the interview. Uh, it is uh, Rufus Xavier Sasparilla. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I got it. All right, next story, guys, is. Um, as Bruce alluded to earlier, Pentax Imaging Systems is uh, or Pentax is selling its imaging systems business to Rico. So the whole space of photography is getting smaller yet again. It's like it's notching down to a fine point, and who's going to be on the point? You know, it looks like we know the top. Well, that three. should help Fuji move right up. I know. That maybe that's part of their plan. You know, we know that Pentax and, and Rico are kind of going to merge. You know, and we'll we'll be by default moving up a notch. I don't know. So Pentax and Rico, just to just to talk about those two brands separately. Um, we never hear. I mean, I don't. You know, I don't hear much innovation or I don't hear much news about these guys. Uh, Robert, do you? What's what's going on with these guys? Do you do you own any Pentax or Rico hardware? Not at all. And uh, I do. There is a, a Rico facility right off the 55 here in Orange County. So I drive by it and I see it. But other so than that, that's I'm your not involvement. Very familiar with it. <laughs> that's your involvement polluting their facility as you drive by on the highway. Driving by Rico. That's awesome. What about you, Bruce? Are you? Uh, do you, are you? Does this affect you at all? This merge, or do you do you care about those two brands at all? I actually thought they just made photocopiers. Oh no. <laughs> No, no, well, that's no, why I they mean, got bought, I, right? I'm aware of them. Um, I, I know Alex really likes. He has a Rico um, point and shoot that he uses for doing his time lapse stuff that he really, really likes. Um, but apart from that, it's uh, Pentax and Rico aren't two brands that I've uh, spent a lot of time investigating uh, or know too much about. But it just seemed interesting to me in the news this week that there was sort of these, you know, with Fuji trying to get up to third and, and, and Pentax and the Rico thing. It seemed like there was a lot of shuffling going on in the, in that, you know, third, fourth, fifth position. And it seemed to sort of interesting topics. Yeah. Well, well what, what does it mean? What does it mean? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You put the story in the show notes, so I don't know. What does it mean? Bruce? I don't know. I mean, I think it's, it'll be an interesting uh, year. I think we're going to see more, I think that with the micro four thirds, um, more cameras like the X100, or these Evo type sensors. Um, you know, I think we're, we're going to see some more more changes in the next year. When's the next big photo show? Is it is it Photoshop World? I don't know. Yeah, it's that's early coming September. in September, and then mm-hmm. October is uh, New York with uh, what do they call that one? Photo Plus Expo. Photo Plus, yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, moving on to this next story. This is awesome. And uh, yeah, this this one, I think Bruce put a note in here. This this definitely goes under the category of badass photographer for the year. <laughs> uh, this is a guy who captured images of, wait for it, his own heart surgery. Next question. Why would you do that? 
I would do that. <laughs> no, you would not, oh, Nicole. I totally would. If I were having some kind of surgery, I'd You'd be freaked you know. out. You'd be like, I just want to live. He, I, no, who hey, cares about hey, the images? You, well, he, it, it's one of those, it looks like it's one of those surgeries where they go through an artery. You know, they get into, so it's not like it was Ugh. an open heart surgery. It wasn't anything like that. He's like awake, you know, it's not, it's not like that. He was a, he was obviously was conscious. He was, I think, because just by looking at the photos, you're like, well, how did he get that photo? You know, because I assumed when when I read the headline that it was like he had some maybe overhead camera mounted on some kind of interval timer, you know, because I'm thinking open heart surgery. That's what I thought. But it's actually he's hand holding the camera and they're going through um, trying to look through the article to see if it says uh, it says the procedure involves inserting a small tube into a blood vessel Ugh. in the wrist or groin and threading it to the center of the heart. So that's so, you know, he did. They, it was one of those. But still, that's kind of freaky crazy you know what? I, do I don't care if, if somebody is removing a hangnail surgically from me i'm not <laughs> i just want if somebody's cutting on me you know my camera's gonna be in the bag i, I don't know, I you don't know, know. I sp- three years ago i split my uh, finger i just like and i had to have stitches on it it wasn't anything crazy but you know it's enough for stitches yeah and i was taking pictures of my iphone the whole time wow <laughs> so I mean, like, I who twittering to it? that i mean i mean is it for you is it for other people i don't know i don't know Robert, would you, you know, someone, you, you get, you know, I don't know, a bullet wound, you're driving through LA, and would you, would you, would you take pictures of them removing the bullet from your arm? You know, I read that the guy did it just so that he could be on Twip. Oh, look at that. <laughs> yeah, it works. Get a nice, get a nice mention on Twip. I mean, damn it. You know, yeah. I don't think let I that be a lesson to the audience. Don't go, you know, trying to bait <laughs> us with, you know, photographing your own surgeries. I don't think I would, you know, really be in it. Like, let the doctors do their job. You know, my wife already already yells at me enough that I have a camera in my hand too much. So, yeah, yeah. Well, I want to. I want to know what Bruce would do. So, Bruce, Bruce, you have this sort of like very calm personality. If you were, you know, in duress and you're like, I don't know, at the dentist's office, I don't know, you know, someone's doing some sort of surgery. Out. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Would you? Blood? No, forget it. I'd be on the floor. Nice. Am I the only one here who is like totally? I would totally do it. It sounds like it. Yeah. I wonder what the This Week in Photo audience would do. Chime in in the comments of this post. Let us know. Would you, if you're having some sort of surgery, you know, even if it's childbirth or something, would you take pictures? I know, that's different. Would you, would you take pictures and share it with the world? I really want to know. Because I would not, you know. I mean, I'd be nervous on the way to the hospital, let alone, hey, do I have the right lens? Is that in focus? And what about the F-stop? Is there enough <laughs> okay on there? Be during this <laughs> invasive procedure. Exactly. Hey, Doc, hey, Doc, can you turn to the left a little bit? You're in my light. <laughs> <laughs> Could you hang on a second? I need to change my card. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. More suction. <laughs> so, disgusting. All right, this last story that we're going to chat about briefly is um, our friends over at Photo Jojo, Amit Gupta and team, have uh, they're now selling an iPhone SLR mount. I know people in the audience are like, "Oh, good grief!" They're going to talk about iPhone again, but this is interesting. This is uh, so it's a mount that uh, that will allow you to attach your Canon or Nikon lenses directly to your iPhone. So, Robert, now you can leave all that crazy Canon stuff at home and in the bag and just bring your iPhone and a bunch of lenses to your weddings. And, you know, next time you're doing a celebrity wedding, boom, just whip out the iPhone. Would you do I that? I think it would go over well. <laughs> yeah, once, right? <laughs> you know, like Robert Evans you goes it? from photographing, you know, the, the celebrities to doing nothing. <laughs> so. I mean, first of all, like, I mean, uh, attaching your, let's just, the... Uh, 70 to 200 to your iPhone. That lens is heavy as it is. Like, how are you going to... 
How are you going to do that now? I don't know. I don't know. Would, would you even do that? I mean, even to play around with Robert, would you Would you even, like, just, you know, stick it on there just, like, just for, <laughs> yeah, like, a walk around, point and gave shoot? gave me one for the novelty of it. But, I mean, I wouldn't, you know, that's silly. I mean, I take a lot, like most people, I take a lot of pictures with my iPhone. But, you know, it's fine the way it is. Yeah, yeah. What about you, Nicole? Are you uh, you going to start doing stock photography with your iPhone? <laughs> it's well. First of all, they're two hundred and fifty dollars, so it's like half the price of your iPhone if you bought it full price. Yeah. And uh, no, I wouldn't. And the only you know you get. I've seen some people Twitter about how it it defeats. Wait a the minute, purpose. you would, you oh. would take pictures of yourself being split open, and uh, you would photograph that, but you would not use an iPhone to shoot stuff with. Come on. Well, okay, I'm not going to spend two hundred fifty dollars <laughs> on the adapter. First of all, and if I'm gonna if I'm gonna do if I want to go simple, I'm not going to bring a whole bunch of lenses. You know, I'm going to bring yeah. like my Fuji or just my iPhone or one camera with one lens. And uh, it's I I saw some people that were you know they'd say things like it defeats purpose of iPhoneography, and it's like well, I, I don't know. know. That's, like that's, who, I think who defined the bylaws yeah, of iPhoneography? Like, <laughs> like it has to be an out of focus, you know, crappy photo with a vignette and a bunch of effects applied to it. Not that I'm dissing that because I do that all the time to be an iPhone photo yeah. uh, or, you know, but anyways, that's a whole other topic. Um, I, I wouldn't spend, if it was like, if it were 30 bucks, I would buy one. Yeah. Um, but if, because it's so expensive to begin with, I'd rather spend the money on, I don't know, groceries. I was going <laughs> to say food, maybe <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> boxes so, for when you, you move. Know, I, I haven't, you know, I have enough photo gear that I probably bought and I rarely use. And this would just at, be added to that pile yeah. of things. And I mean, I could see it might, It'd be fun to play with. It might be cool if you could throw like a really wide lens on it. It sure reminds me of like a lens baby. Like you know, I don't I don't see you at a lens, at a wedding or you know with a lens baby. They're great to play with, but it's I don't know that you would want to consider it something that you would use in a in a situation like that where you can't completely control things. I don't know, Bruce. Would you would you throw this on your on your iPhone and take some pictures with it that were specifically for a client, or would you use it for a photo walk or what? I just don't see the point of this thing. <laughs> I just. <laughs> I just don't see. I saw it and I was like, "What? What are they thinking?" Yeah, I mean, if I'm going to drag all my lenses around with me, I think like like uh, Robert and Nicole said. I mean, I would just bring my camera with me. Like, why? Yeah, I just I don't see the need for this thing. If I if I did, if somebody gave me one, I could see maybe throwing a fifty on it, but like I, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I just don't see a need for this thing. But got it. Good. It really really, it really hinders taking pictures of your surgery with your iPhone. <laughs> Because you get blood on your fingers and then the touchscreen doesn't work. You almost need your own assistant. You hear that doctor, scalpel, patient, macro. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. I'm coming up with the name of this episode. It's going to be something to do with, uh, you know, surgery. I know that. All right. uh, Before we continue, guys, uh, this is uh, another sponsor of TWIP is Hover.com. I'm a big fan of Hover. They're all about making domain registration and service simple. So basically what happened was over the years, domain registration sites became more and more complicated. Something like a flow chart. You got to, you know, you go to the site, you pick your domain and you go through this gauntlet of things, usually like 50 clicks or more just to buy your domain. And then they hit you with all these offers like, oh, you want security? Oh, if you don't want to appear in who is, then you have to pay more and all this stuff. It goes on and on and on and on. So what what Hover does is they just register domains. They don't try to sell you a ton of services. They make it easy. Uh, they have a what's the coolest thing. They have this no hold policy for customer service calls Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern. So when you call, you're guaranteed to get a live person and they will not put you on hold. 
So, which is which is really cool and kind of unheard of. Uh, we'll see how that scales, but um, it's awesome that they can do that and that they're even offering to do that to for folks. So, for people that are just like, you know what, I don't understand how this domain stuff works. Uh, how long does it take for this domain name to propagate through all the servers? Or what does the word propagate mean? You could just call them up and they will walk you through it. Nine a.m. to eight p.m. Eastern time. Now you can use a Hover's domain management service. You can set up email addresses forward email addresses you can redirect to other websites like for example you are setting up a website specifically for your church group or something so you could set up a domain and forward it to a folder that already lives on your other server and you know and no harm no foul you just set it up and go and create url extensions set up all your privacy controls all that stuff so people can't stalk you it goes on and on and on so the cool thing is, um, if you'd like to get a, a domain name, not a free domain name, if you'd like to get a new domain name, you can use the offer code TWIP, that's TWIP, and they'll give you 10% off of your whatever domain you want to register. Just go over to hover.com, that's H-O-V-E-R.com forward slash TWIP to get your 10% off. All right, um, we were just talking about that iPhone SLR mount, and it's very timely that we have a quick interview to insert here that I did a, a couple of weeks ago with Jack Hollingsworth. He's a great photographer. He's awesome. You should definitely check out his stuff online. He's pretty prolific in terms of just the quantity and the quality of the stuff that he's posting online, and he's been shooting uh, for a long time. He's one of, another one of those photographers that I always say that, you know, probably has forgot more about photography than a lot of us <laughs> know. So he's in that, that genre of photography, photographers that knows his stuff. But Jack is hanging his hat now on iPhoneography. He wants to be the guy for iPhone photography. <laughs> and he thinks that in this interview, you'll hear, he thinks that one day you'll be able to replace your DSLR in many ways with an iPhone and, so I, and actually I do profes- professional work. What's that, I, I didn't just like and unintentionally say something like totally against him. <laughs> yes, you did. And, <laughs> oh, and, man. And Jack, Sorry, Jack. <laughs> Jack, Nicolzi, just, just look her up and uh, I think there's a feud coming along. <laughs> All right. With that, uh, let's get a listen to Jack Hollingsworth. I'm speaking with Mr. Jack Hollingsworth. He's a photographer that I know, um, and you may know him as well. He's very prolific on the internet. He uh, shoots a lot, and he shoots a lot more than I do. Jack is a world photographer or a travel photographer. Um, He's a portrait photographer, lifestyle. He's all over the place. He's been shooting for over 30 years, and he's also working with Trey Radcliffe on a couple of super secret projects that we're not allowed to talk about yet, but hopefully we'll get him on the show later after this stuff comes out and pick his brain about him. So, Jack, welcome to This Week in Photo. Thank you, sir. It's good to be here. Pleasure. It's it's good to have you on the show. So let's, you know, whenever I have a new guest on the show, I like to chat with them a little bit about how they got into photography. And I like to use the analogy, you know, how did the spider, you know, the radioactive photography spider bite you? You know, what? how did it all start for Jack? Let, let me give you the short story. And, and I do mean short. Uh I have told this uh, many times, and it never seems to, to get old. I am, <clears throat> I'm 57 this year, and again, as, as you said to your guest earlier, <clears throat> I've been shooting for 30 years. Yep. And I honestly, I, I sit back as, as I listen to myself, uh, you know, spew these words out of my mouth, but I am just as passionate today as I was 
30 years ago when I started. And I was wide-eyed when I started, and right now I'm even wider-eyed. So, yeah, I mean, I haven't always been like that. You know, some a few points along the way, I probably probably burnt out because I just shot so darn much. But <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm I'm, a, I'm an enthusiastic, ardent, passionate shooter at heart. And a shooter exact is exactly what I am. I think my my first my first job, Frederick, my uncle <clears throat> was Lee Harrington was the. Um, was the president of the Massachusetts Maritime Academy on Cape Cod. Mm-hmm. And he trained, the purpose of the school was to train merchant marines. So every summer he would extend offers to his nephews to go on a merchant marine ship. And uh, we'd basically just head out to sea. And I remember, I think it was in the summer of 1973, a year after college, uh, it was my turn. You know, I was the nephew and it was my turn. And we went to Ireland, England, Norway, Scandinavia, all over. Sweden was on the water for two months. It was my first experience overseas. And before I left, my dad... Uh, gave me, said, you know, hey, Jack, why don't, why don't you take a camera with you? didn't know anything about a camera. He gave me a Minolta 101. I think he bought it used at a secondhand shop. Two months later, I came back. There was two births in my life, and, I, and it was just so clear. They were both aha moments. One was a love of travel, and one was an obvious love of photography. And those two births, of, of course, I, you know, I had to, groom them and raise them, you know, over the years uh, to get to where I'm at now. But yeah. that's kind of where it started. And right off the bat, I, I just seemed to, I, I don't know, I, I did all kinds of traveling, uh, literally within years of kind of calling myself a, a travel photographer. And I just had some cherry jobs. I did some airline work, had some, you know, uh, resorts that I shot for had a couple really nice uh, tourism campaigns. I mean, the list goes on and on. So that kind of put me in a world context, and I don't think I ever looked back. Now, where I made money, and most of my money in photography was through commercial stock, and I think that that's probably a, a, a different story in and of itself. But that understanding that appreciation that knowledge of shooting commercial work was all born overseas in the foreign capitals of this world and to this day I'm, you know i'm still traveling and shooting I'm, I'm not doing as much as i used to but now i find myself wanting to repeat some of those same ex- those same experiences now within a mobile context which i'm even more enthusiastic about Okay, so that's that's the piece that I really want to talk about, Jack, um, the iPhone piece of this. So I know you increasingly – we had a conversation a couple of weeks ago and we were talking about this interview and kind of the things that we wanted to touch on for the This Week in Photo listeners. And you, without hesitation, said iPhone photography or mobile photography is, is kind of the image capturing genre that you want to hang your hat on right now. So – why? Why iPhone photography? It's a crappy little camera on a crappy little device that, you know, can't take images one-eighth as good as your DSLR. Why are you looking at it as, as the future? Yeah, well, that, that's, those, are, those are maybe some of the exact words that I used, you know, six, <laughs> seven, eight months ago. And, of course, that tune has changed fairly significantly. Let, let me tell you the story because I think the story is, 
is pretty cool. Uh, again, I was shooting overseas. Uh, I had two jobs, one for uh, a well-known cruise line. So I was going to document. I was actually shooting for uh, doing some aerial work for a cruise line in the Caribbean. And I had a tagged-on resort assignment that started before the cruise. So I went down to the Caribbean with a couple guys, a video guy and my assistant. And we did some resort work about two or three days before the two-week cruise job started. Mm -hmm. So there I was, packed up with all my cannon gear and bag upon bag and cord upon cord and battery upon battery and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And lo and behold, uh, when I got to a room that night, which was late, we had a, a late a flight in, uh, went to plug in my batteries, and lo and behold, the, the, the missing piece was my camera gear. So we had, I th- we had like 13 bags, and 12 of them showed up, and all of them showed up except my camera. Yep. So there I was, ready to shoot about five hours later, my first scene, uh, with no camera. Actually, no, that's actually not the case. What I had was a carry-on 5D. Now, mind you, this may kind of sound crazy, but I owned a 5D, and it was the camera that my assistants used to kind of shoot behind-the-scenes stuff on video and stills when I I was doing commercial work Mm -hmm. because I used the Canon 1DS. So I had never even used the 5D, even though I'd owned it for two years. So there I was on a commercial shoot with no camera uh, and a 5D that I'd never used in an iPhone. So I thought, oh, my God, what, 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 what am I going to do? <clears throat> you know, do I whine? Do I come clean with a customer? Do I come clean with a client? Just tell them, hey, here we go. No. So I decided to, you know, just kind of work my way through it. I thought, hey, I'm pretty smart. I can kind of figure the 5D out. I started shooting it, you know, it took me probably about an hour in the morning to kind of get in the rhythm of the controls and kind of figure out, okay, this is kind of cool. Wasn't that comfortable because I'm really not a technical photographer. I'd say I'm more of an intuitive, artistic kind of photographer. I just kind of, I'm more of a feeling, emotive type of guy. I've always flown like that. That's kind of my MO. That's who I am. So, you know, just picking up a camera and trying to figure out all the dials and the knobs, a big, big step for me particularly trying to do it in front of a customer within an hour. Yeah. So I managed to get through it, kind of stumble through some stuff, and then almost kind of out of frustration, I said, oh, you know something, I'm just going to relax. I'm, you know, my, my camera's going to be here this afternoon. It's coming in on such and such flight. I'm just going to go enjoy this, the sunrise. Uh, so when my two guys were kind of getting all the equipment ready and I was maybe 100, 200 yards ahead of them, I walked up this, uh, uh, <clears throat> we were literally right on the ocean, this rock formation, uh, came around, and there's this, like, gorgeous sunrise, you know, just beautiful waves crashing against the, <laughs> the rocks. I mean, just idyllic in, in every sense. And by then I was relaxed. I was like, oh, you know, thank you, God. This is, okay, I'm, I'm fine now. This is, like, beautiful. Well, out comes my iPhone, which, by the way, I had not really shot until that point. I mean, I'd seen assistant shoot, and of course I shot it. Yes, of course I shot it. I shot it for a couple of years since I had it, mm-hmm. but it was really never really thought much about it. Um, lo and behold, got my iPhone camera out at sunrise. Boom. It was that moment I went, oh, my God. This is incredible. 
I'm looking, and then, then of course, I grab my 5D, I shoot the same thing, and I'm looking at the screen of the 5D, and I'm looking at the retina screen of my iPhone, and my iPhone shot smokes my 5D shot, at least to my eyes, anyway. Now, why so, was that? Why was that? Was it because because the exposure that the iPhone picked was better than what you got out of the 5D? Because the you had more, you know, millions more pixels on the 5D than you had on the iPhone. Why was iPhone better? Yeah, that's a that's a good question. I, I think I, I can. I've thought about that. One is the iPhone has a Retina display, so you know by default it's going to show a better, brighter image than my LCD screen of my 5D. Yeah. Not, not number one, and number two, it's bigger. You know the the screen size is bigger. So I don't know. Maybe it was the angle of view. I'm not saying that my five my iPhone picture was better. I'm talking about the emotional response, the aha moment that I went, this isn't a toy camera. This is like powerful. This was like an exposure. And again, I, I was, I think with my 5D, I was using my Sekonic 501, my spot meter. And so I, you know, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a light guy. I'm a metering guy. I'm like nailing my exposure with my 5D going, that's, oh, that's beautiful. That's mm-hmm. perfect. Yeah. And then I'm just, I'm on auto of my iPhone in the shot just looks better. That started a two-week exploration for me. It's no, it, 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 no joke. It became it became not just another aha moment. It became a total, all-out, almost an uncontrollable obsession with me for the next two weeks. So I shot not only with my 5D and of course my Canon 1DSs, which you know came on the afternoon flight. But I shot backup of everything, whether I was on sticks, indoors, on the water, in a helicopter, climbing a mast of the ship. I backed up everything with my iPhone. And I got to show you the pictures. They're pretty incredible. Yeah. So it wasn't until I came back that I went, and again, I changed my tune. It was like, this is not a, this is not a toy phone. This is not a, uh, a toy camera. Uh, this is a serious tool to reckon with that I have to get to know and appreciate. And, of course, I, I have spent the last six months almost shooting with it nonstop, trying to understand it, appreciate it, understand its limitations, and then uh, exploit the uh, the capabilities, if you would. Now I'm having a heck of a time doing and that, it. And that's what I want to get into because, you know, millions and millions and millions of people have these cameras with them in their iPhones, right? So they can you theoretically anybody with an iPhone could take really cool pictures. Anybody mm-hmm. with an iPhone could have been on that that summit with you taking that picture of the sunset and and getting excellent oh my god results, right? Mm-hmm. So, um I guess the the question is why I mean, aside from what we talked about before, and we'll get into this, you know, the you can shoot, edit, and share right from the palm of your hand, right? So that's mm-hmm. that's cool, and that you know, from a photographer's standpoint, that's like, wow, this is awesome. But you know, what I'm what I'm trying to reconcile is just the the overall quality and the lack of pixels, right? So I I love iPhone photography as well. You know, anybody who follows me knows that I'm. I'm shooting stuff to Instagram all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but what's in my head, and I think it was a lot of people that are like me, what's in their heads are, are that the photos that come out of my iPhone are fun. You know, they're, they're like, okay, I'm going to put them on Facebook. I may put them on Flickr. I may put them on Instagram. But this is not 
serious photography. But mm-hmm. what I'm hearing from you is that this is serious photography it's, from an iPhone. So it, explain yeah. that. And how can we? How do we go from the iPhone or mobile photography being just okay? This is you know this is me acting stupid at a party drinking to this is me taking some substantive work that I can call art. Yeah, well, let, let, let me go on the record, uh, Frederick, and saying, and I don't want anybody to misunderstand. I am not anti DSLR. I, as a matter of fact, I you know I still make a living at it. Yeah, I, I'm a canon. I'm a canon freak of nature. Always have been. Uh, I, I use it in my own commercial work. So See, I don't that's think another. That, that's another argument. There. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, this this is not an either or proposition. Yeah, you know, this this is a both. So. Yeah, what, it, it, am, I, am I suggesting to to our listeners here that you know they put their DSLR aside and basically just embrace the iPhone as a commercial? No, I would say not. But I'm I'm going to tell you some things, maybe not now, but in subsequent conversations, where I am starting to explore the commercial side of iPhone work, um, and and it's pretty amazing. So let, let's get back to the technical part. It, it's yeah. a five. It's a five megapixel camera, so it renders about a two megabyte file. Which, for the most part, if you think about it, I mean, think about your own work. I mean, ninety percent of the work that you do. I don't know about your work, Frederick, but my work. I see it, it's online. Whether it's a commercial shot or a, I, I, it's a bona fide assignment or a commission for a hotel. I'm normally, for the most part, seeing what I am doing online. If I'm shooting for my family, I'm seeing it online. If I'm shooting for my friends, I'm seeing it online. I'm seeing it on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, etc., Flickr. So 90% of how our pictures, even commercially, are used is an online context or an online application. That, that to me, is just makes a, a strong case for a 5-megapixel iPhone 4 camera that renders a 2-megabyte file because, quite frankly, I can print easily, you know, 240 DPI up to 6, 9, 8, 10, and maybe with a little help, I could even, I could print and I could prove to you that I could create stunning 16 by 20s that you would have no idea that I created for my iPhone. Well, wow. now how how is that? Are you are you using some sort of fractal image enlargement program, or do you or are you just like tweaking it in Photoshop and making just, it? Just better? just tweaking it. I mean, mo- most of my tweaking actually is done on the iPhone, but yeah, tweaking it in Photoshop, tweaking it in frac in uh, fractal, mm-hmm. and. Uh, Again, I'm not making too many 16 by 20. Yeah, so. that was going to be my next question. Yeah, when was I mean, the last time you printed yeah, right. for I'm, a client? I'm, I'm, I'm looking at 16 or I'm looking at 30 by 40s on my wall. But I have friends that there's almost a subculture among iPhone photographers or iPhoneographers, I think, as they're more technically called. Oh, that's all, I haven't heard that one. That's cool. Yeah, there's, there's, just, there's a subculture of, of photographers that are exhibiting their work internationally and these are die-hard, die uh, you know, iPhone fanatics who shoot, author, and process all their stuff on the iPhone. And these guys are making 16, 20 plus prints for exhibition. I've seen it. Wow. So, but again, I, I don't think, you know, I, I'm, not, I, I'm not suggesting that, you know, everybody's going to run out and make big prints. It's just, it's that... It's that three legs of the tripod that I think provides the magic moment for me that it's not the shooting part, because we all do that, 
but it's the apping part, the filtering part, the embellishing part, the beautifying part, part that I can do on my phone tied with the other, the third leg of the tripod, which is sharing. So shoot, embellish, share, or yeah. cap- capture, beautify, share. Those combinations, oh my God, that's, it's, that's what makes the iPhone special. And to a pro photographer, like a lot of your audience, you are so far ahead of the game because of what you already bring to the party. I mean, just you go, go to flip, go to Instagram. I mean, a lot of the, and I love Instagram, so don't get me wrong, but a lot of the stuff is substandard stuff. So bring your skills as a photographer, your sensibilities of producing, directing, lighting, coaching, composing, you know, yada, yada, yada. Bring that discipline, that sensibility, that's, that, that sensitivity to the iPhone, and I guarantee you, you're going to not only get some attention, you're going to make some waves and possibly even make some money at it. Okay, so, so to the photographer that has an iPhone sitting in his pocket um, or on their desk or wherever right now, and they're getting pumped by this interview, and they're like, you know what? Okay, I'm going to look at my iPhone with different eyes. Um, what are some technique tips? Not software, not sharing, but, but on, the, on the shoot side, tips that you can give folks to get to, or to improve their iPhoneography? Well, yeah. I, I would say the, the, the first thing, which would come as an absolute no surprise. And again, I think this is, when, when I think of, you know, and, I, and I'm really a newbie. There's a lot of great iPhoneographers or iPhone photographers uh, that are so much more advanced than I am. You know, they may not have the 30 years of experience that I have in commercial work, but they have years of experience in iPhone work. And uh, you can see a lot of their, their work on uh, a site called iPhone Art. Mm. Uh, or what is it? iPhone. Yeah, let me come back to that. It's, it's either I, iPhone-art.com or iPhone-art.net or iPhone Art. Com, but it's a gallery of amazing iPhone artists. So tip number one would be exposed for the highlight. So, And how do they, how do, they do that with an iPhone? You know, how, yeah, right. how, how, do you, how do you control yeah, right. the, the highlights? How do, you, how do you control the highlight when your tap focus, I mean, your tap focus serves a multifunctional aspect. It's focus, exposure, and white balance. Now, that's all changing of course, on the next generation iPhone, which we just heard from in uh, Steve Jobs' keynote at uh, the uh, the Apple Development Con- Conference, and uh, I think it was in your neck of the woods, wasn't it? Yeah, it was San in San Francisco. Francisco. Yeah. yeah. So uh, they're going to add some new features, but you're primarily with your iPhone, uh, you're going to you're going to tap focus on pretty much the brightest part of the image to make sure that you maintain detail in that highlight. And then through a series of, you know, filters and processing or apping or apps, you're going to basically bring up uh, the detail in the shadows. And you, you could use, you know, um, 
there's all kinds of, you know, filter sets. Uh, filter Storm is a popular one. Iris Photo Suite is another popular one. So let, let's talk about that. So that, that, okay. that like, like me, I have a couple of apps on my iPhone that, that are my go-to apps that I use for a lot. I have Photogene on there. Mm-hmm. I've Photogene. got Yeah, I've got, of course, Instagram on there. I've got this one that I love called... Um, uh, tilt shift gen yes. all yeah, one word a, for that's awesome yeah for blurring selective parts of the image that kind of thing and you know i have a bunch of other ones on there which you know we can you know maybe put, we'll put them in the blog post notes but you know that those are my go-to apps you know mm-hmm. if i need to crop something i'm going into Photogene. i'll crop it down if i want to blur a background it's going into to tilt shift gen and if i'm going to share it i may do all that stuff before i share it and throw it into instagram Make a couple more tweaks and share it out to the world. That kind of thing. What What's on Jack's list of you know you're on a desert island. You can only pick two or three apps. Well, in, it's in, interesting because I just did a uh, let's go to the poll right now. I just did a poll today on Twitter, uh, actually yesterday, and I asked people how many apps do they typically have in their iPhone toolkit, not how many they own. Uh, but how many do they regularly use? And I would say almost 90% of yesterday's pollers said that they uh, they have less than 10 apps in their toolkit that be, that are their go-to apps for iPhone processing. And that's kind of true with me. I think I own like about 150 plus apps. Jeez. Uh, but, you know. <laughs> Wait, but, 100, oh, 150 photography apps or apps yes. in general? No, no, 150 photography apps. So basically yeah. you have all of them. I pretty much have all of them. Yes, yes. And what, what's your favorite? So give me, give me your your top one. If you can only pick one, which Red, one would put, you be? Put them, put them, put them, put them into put them into categories. And there are, and, and these are these are my categories. But my favorite camera replacement app. In other words, an app that replaces sort of the the native iPhone app that comes bundled with the iPhone, which is good but it can be improved. Then my number one favorite is an app called camera plus. It's not, it's camera with a plus sign. Yeah. That's uh, Lisa. Lisa Betney is, uh, is helping promote that app. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. By far my favorite app, my, my poll today on Twitter, which of these camera replacement apps do you use the most? And I had camera plus pro camera plus camera genius pro camera, Snapchat, gorilla cam, of all those that were listed, forty three percent use camera plus on, wow. so, and that's that's Lisa's app. So yeah, that's my go to camera replacement app. Uh, it's also one of my go to apps for filtering and processing too. It's just a it it feels professional. It's not. It doesn't have a lot of cheese and bling bling to it, which mm-hmm. you know a lot of the apps out there just. You know they're nauseating, yeah. Um, and, and they're they're foolish, and and, and most pros you look at them and, with, with great disdain. This is a sophisticated, refined app that has camera replacement features and processing and filtering features. So, camera replacement app, Camera Plus. No, so I was going to say. So we so we talked about shooting, and then we talked about editing and manipulation of the image. What about sharing? What's what's your go-to service for sharing, or do you just you know kind of upload them and put them on your own website? Uh, by far, Instagram. Yeah, I'm also um, this love of mobile. Uh, at the same time, I was introduced to Instagram, so uh, I'm I'm pretty gun ho about Instagram, and I and I shoot and share weekly 
on Instagram. And for your listeners that don't know Instagram, it's basically like, you know, a a Twitter for photographers. And so instead of posting 140 character messages, you're posting photographs that you can caption and you have an unlimited amount of space to caption them and tag them. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty enthusiastic about that community. There's not a ton of pros on Instagram, but it's growing and increasingly in, in popularity. I, I think the last count there were, you know, three million plus, uh, three to five million plus registered users. So that's good. It's uh, it's coming on. Yeah, yeah, I, I'd have to agree. What, what's your what's your name on Instagram? Uh, Jack Hollingsworth. Okay, got it. That's it? No space, no underscore? That's it, man. Uh, Very cool. It would be the, the at sign, Jack Collinsworth. So, so Jack, what, I, what's what's the future of this stuff? So, you know, so I'm looking, of course, the, the iPhone, if Apple stays around, which chances are they will. Pretty um, good. <laughs> yeah, the chances are pretty good that they'll be around next year. Um, and chances are also pretty good that there'll be an iPhone 5 and a 6 and a 7 and an 8, which means that the camera will likely improve as well, right? So what does that mean for these apps and for the future of mobile photography and in particular sharing? You know, are, For example, are we going to see a day in the future where a wedding gets shot entirely with iPhones, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah I, I think you're, I, I think we're, we're already there, Frederick. And I think uh, we're probably, there's probably people right now shooting uh, commercial weddings with their iPhone. I'm, I, I just finished a, a blog series, a nine-part blog series, which I can kind of, you know, share tidbits or, or, or excerpts from, you know, with your readers over time. But in that nine-part blog series, I, I kind of have explored how to shoot lifestyle you know, photography with your iPhone, how to shoot portrait photography, how to shoot architecture uh, photography with your how to shoot food photography with your iPhone, how to shoot uh, travel photography with your iPhone. And through that experience alone, it is confirmed to me that there's not just, it's not an evolution of sort, it's a revolution of, of magnanimous proportions. It's huge. And I, I, I've got to believe, at least with the improvements of the, the new iPhone that we're going to see this fall, uh, you know, the sky is pretty blue. And that we're going to start seeing more and more and more commercial usage usages of iPhone. Now, I speak iPhone because that's all I know. But you could just substitute the word mobile, you know, if you're on an Android platform. Uh, or if you don't have an iPhone, um, but mobile is blowing up and it's blowing up in, in an exciting way. And it, it's something photographers really should embrace and get excited about. Yeah. And then I guess the last question I'd ask is, you know, I it, clearly technology is advancing and getting better and better. And these cameras and optics are getting better and better. And we'll we'll be at a point, I think we're at the point now, like you were saying, that the iPhone camera in many ways can replace high end point and shoots and we can do some pretty pro level stuff with these things. But the one thing that I would want to reconcile with, with thinking about the iPhone as a pro camera replacement is just the size perception. Cause mm-hmm. you, you know, you think about it, you're like people, wherever you go, if they're not a photographer and they look at you and you like, for me, if I go out with my, with my Nikon D3, you know, with my camera bag and I got my strobe on there, you know, people are like, oh, you're a pro photographer, you know, you know, but if I go out just with my Nikon D700, which doesn't have the extension on the bottom, you know, and I put a 50 mil lens on it and I'm walking around taking the same megapixel images, you know, with the same sensor, 
people are, you know, I'm, I'm just a guy with a camera, you know, at that yeah. point. So if you abstract that down to the iPhone and you're out there, hey, I'm a pro photographer and you whip out your iPhone at a wedding, you know, are people going to take you seriously? I had the ex- exact same experience, Frederick, in, uh, in, in the Caribbean uh, during this obsession period where I was shooting a, uh, a sporting event and I was knocking around shooting uh, portraits and detail and graphics and yada, yada, yada. And then, you know, my, my shtick didn't work because it felt phony and awkward. People are asking me, well, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm a, I'm a pro photographer. And the, I could see the look on their face. Like, yeah, they're like, what, are you come, poor? What's oh, going on? on? <laughs> Dude, you're a pro photographer. Yeah. And, then of, and of course, I would shoot, process, and share the, the shot on the spot. That ended the discussion. You're like, oh, my God. I mean, I remember this young, uh, young uh, uh, you know, black kid, uh, you know, me 10 years old. And a stunning shot. It a beautiful shot. Beautiful light. Shot it, turned it, uh, turned it into black and white. I think through, uh, I was using Hipsomatic app at the time. Found his father who was, you know, seated, uh, you know, about ten feet away. Rocked over his dad, and his dad was just like he couldn't say anything. He was like, like, oh my goodness. Yeah. And the cool, and the cool thing is you could you could make that shot and then say, hey, by the way, when you get back to your computer at home, it'll be waiting for you. I'm going to send it to you. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and th- think about it again. I mean, think about the technical aspects of the iPhone. I mean, put this in perspective as a photographer. So it's a you're talking about a five megapixel camera. That's good. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're talking about a, a three point eight five millimeter lens. That's what it is. Three point eight five millimeter lens. It has a sensor size that's one seventh or even one eighth the size of your you know, big cameras, your Nikon cameras or your Canon cameras. It has a fixed aperture at around 2.8. The perspective of, of the lens is about a 28 millimeter. And furthermore, because of the small size of the sensor itself, shooting F2.8 on an iPhone 4 is like shooting lockdown F22. So everything you shoot is completely in focused. Yeah. You know, there's no bokeh, there's no getting up close, and there's no, there's no, you know, falling off. You don't have the control. So, again, work within the, the limitations and use the limitations and the liabilities for, you know, opportunity and success. It's fun. It's really fun. So we'll, we'll, we'll definitely have to continue this in some subsequent discussions on this stuff because there's so much, so much that we haven't touched on. For example, we haven't touched on Flash, you know, because the new iPhone 4 has Flash on there. Um, and we haven't even broached the topic of multimedia because mm-hmm. you can shoot video and capture audio and edit and do all this crazy stuff that you can do with this little device that slips into your back pocket, right? So definitely want to continue the series and sort of talk about the different things that you can do with iPhone and the diff- well, maybe we'll dive into the different services and all that stuff. So would you, would you be willing to come on again and, and chat? I would, not, I would not only be willing, I would I would be all over it, and I would be, be honored to participate. It, would, it wouldn't, doesn't take much to get me talking about you know my favorite subject, so yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Well, you're you're in. So, Jack, before I let you go, where, where can folks go to find out more about you and see some of the work that you're doing with your iPhone and all that cool stuff? 
Yeah, I, I would say, uh, you know, since we've been talking about mobile, uh, you know, follow me, of course, on Instagram. That would be at the at sign at Jack Hollingsworth. Uh, and then if, you, if you're not into Instagram but you want to actually look at my mobile feed, uh, you could go to, uh, I think it's Gram Feed, G-R-A-M Feed, F-E-E-D dot com, and then forward slash, I think, my name, Jack Hollingsworth. And uh, or, or search it under, you know, gram feed and you'll be able to actually see probably several thousand mobile shots that I've taken, you know, in the past couple months and get kind of get a sense of what I'm doing. Of course, that's not everything that I'm shooting. Very cool. Uh, and then I've got a, a brand new Tumblr blog that's probably going to be released in the next 60 days. And that Tumblr blog will be exclusively devoted to I- iPhone content, stories, videos, interviews with other iPhoneographers, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, if I do some more speaking with you and yakking here, then uh, we'll be able to, you know, bring bring that into the forefront. Yeah, I have a feeling we have lots more yakking to do. We got, we got <laughs> lots of yakking to do, brother. Lots of yakking. Very cool. Jack, thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me and, and the This Week in Photo listeners tonight. This has been educational. I feel like I want to go out and take some pictures with my iPhone now. Let's go, brother. Let's go. <laughs> Strap it on. Let's go. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Thanks a lot, Jack. Okay, buddy. All right, that was Jack Hollingsworth. If you want to check him out, you can uh, just check out the show notes for this episode that um, has all his links to his Twitter feed, his Flickr, his Instagram, as we mentioned in there. All that's in there. So uh, Jack Hollingsworth. And uh, we'd be interested to know on This Week in Photo if you you agree what Jack was saying in that interview. Do you think that you could actually get some professional-level shots with your iPhone, or is it just a little bit too soon? Okay, guys, it's time for some listener Q&A. This is the segment where our guests answer questions that have come in from our audience via our website, our Facebook group, and over Twitter. And conspicuously, yes, not our forum, because the forum is not up yet. But when it comes back, we'll also be taking questions from there. All right, question number one is about wireless flash triggers. Bruce, you want to take this one? Sure, and I'm curious to ask Robert about how he works with off-camera flash, but I'll maybe talk a little bit to this question. So, so uh, Arthur Gonzalez uh, wrote to us, and his question is about wireless flash triggers. Uh, he said, the options and features confuse me quite a bit. Could you break down the main options for wireless flash triggers, including a cheap option, uh, and how they differ? So <clears throat> there's, there's a lot of options out there on the market. Um, for a long time, sort of the industry standard was pocket wizards. And I shoot with Pocket Wizards. I use their mini uh, TT5 and TT1 um, system. But there's a lot of uh, sort of less expensive triggers on the market now. Um, One of them that I'd heard about just recently, but I I don't have any experience with, they are these Yongyao triggers. Uh And they're a a much cheaper option. Um, They're about a tenth the price of uh, of Pocket Wizards. And what, what does that equate to? What's a Pocket Wizard? How much? Uh, they're it's like a couple hundred dollars, right? Mm-hmm. For the for each, you got to buy the transmitter and the receiver, and they're both of them are like one hundred forty, two hundred dollars. That's right. Yeah. Each. So that was one of the questions that you know part of Arthur's question was sort of what you know kind of a, a breakdown of it uh, mm-hmm. and, the, and uh, the main options. So really, what you need is you need to have a, a transmitter and a transceiver. So if you're going to do anything with wireless flash off camera and you want to use radio twi- triggers, I almost said radio triggers, radio <laughs> triggers, um, you need to have a transmitter and a transceiver. So yeah, if you're getting into a set of pocket wizards, you know, you're probably upwards of uh, three, four hundred dollars or, or more for that. Um, there's cheaper ones on the market. There's uh, ones like radio poppers. 
Um, there's quite a few other ones out there, but basically you need to have a set of those at, at a minimum to kind of uh, get started with wireless flash triggers. Yeah. Some of the cheaper ones, um, obviously, you know, maybe not as reliable as the Pocket Wizards. Uh, they won't do things like high-speed sync and that type of stuff, but they're also a tenth of the price. So, you know, if it's something you just kind of want to go out and, and mess around a bit with, you know, 50, 60 bucks, you could probably get started with a, with a set. Um, you can also use, if you're shooting Canon or Nikon, um, I mean, they have wireless built into their systems. So if you have, um, you know, a, a Canon or, or a camera that supports that, you, that might be a good place to start and then branch out into the radio uh, transmitters. Um, the advantage of the radio transmitters is it uh, doesn't require line of sight. And so you can usually, you know, have your uh, flash sort of hiding behind a tree or, or mm. off behind somebody and they don't have to have line of sight. They're also great if you're shooting outdoors. I know we use them, you know, a lot with weddings and we're outside in the daytime. And quite often the, uh, the ones that rely on line of sight will often, the, the sun will um, interfere with the communications. So that's where the radio transmitters. But I'm curious, Robert, what you use in your, in your wedding shoots. Do you do a lot of off-camera stuff and what do you typically use? Uh, when I use the triggers, um, I do um, <clears throat> use Pocket Wizards as well. Um, I use a lot of the Mac Group products. I know we're going to talk about meters and their meters and Sconic. And uh, even in video and some of the video stuff that I'm doing, I use one of the video monitors that, that, that they sell. But uh, the one thing I also looked ahead and saw that you were going to mention as far as one of your products, Bruce, was uh, the White Lightning. I have White Lightning lights myself. And I do have the adapters for the Pocket Wizards, but they also sell, if you're using strobes, they don't work on smaller lights. Um, you know you know the wireless, um, they have the, what is it, the Commander mm-hmm. in their lights. Those are, that's pretty amazing. You can control up to 16 lights right from your camera, and it's this little tiny thing that just goes onto your hot shoe. Uh, so that's pretty interesting. And I, I just recently used my, my Wizards. I'd never use them that way before i helped a friend shoot um a graduation at a a local university down here in orange county soko university and uh i set up three cameras in a position where we would be in front of the the audience it's kind of an auditorium that with the stadium seating and so i set them on this ledge and and then i shot from the floor but basically i was shooting four cameras at one time including my own uh, with the pocket wizards, so that was kind of fun to do. It was the first time I did that. I was a little nervous, but you know, I set it all up, and uh, you know, it worked great. So yeah. it's kind, of, it's kind of what I use. Nicole, what about you? Are you uh, are you into the wireless stuff, or you or or, or do you? I, I don't know. I mean, just generally, like, because your most of your shoots are, you can set them up and sort of go for it that way. So do you? Do you need to engage wireless? Yeah, I do actually. I I mostly do it for convenience because I'm I'm usually going to do like a a smaller set, you know, where I'm really close to the light. If I'm doing food, for example, but um, actually a good example of uh, of when I when is a really good time to use wireless. Um, just like with normal, I don't do a lot of the TTL stuff. I do mostly just strobes and you know presetting all the lights and everything. But I have a really big shoot on Tuesday, so probably about the time that this is going to be. Uh, 
released. Uh, so I probably, you know, I might be doing the shoot when you're listening to this podcast. Yeah. Um, I'm going to be really, really photographing a really, really large, hopefully a really, really large group of children on a white background, just very simple stock shoot. Uh, but I'm going to be up high on a ladder. I'm going to be moving around a lot and the lights are going to be really up high, you know, so they're going to fill the whole space with light and get the white background. So I'll need a, a tr- like a wireless transmitter. And I usually just use pocket wizards. I have uh, a lot of the plus twos. I have like two or three of the plus twos, which are the, the simple ones, you know, that just are basically transmit and receive and you can't do a whole lot more. <laughs> There's not TTL or anything. And then I have a set of the, the TT5s, I think, the Canon version, where you could do things. Um, you know, I got, I, I don't use them that much, but they are really good for, you know, when you want to use any kind of TTL with wireless f- flashes and stuff. But yeah, to answer, you know, the, that was the long answer to saying, yes, I do use wireless. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I want you to continue because I'm going to, uh, we're, we're running a little bit short on time, but I want you to, I want to get this last question in here. It's about light meters that Robert sure. sort of mentioned. You want to take that one? Yeah, sure. Uh, Corey asks, uh, I've been listening to you guys for a while and haven't ever heard you address light meters. I've just bought a studio studio light setup and wondered if they're still useful in today's situation. I'm shooting, shooting with a D 700 and I actually, I, I really disagree with people when they, when they say that you don't need a light meter anymore and you know, with digital because you can, yeah. Okay. I do a lot of my photography without one because I'm usually using natural light or if I'm just using one light, I don't really need a light meter, but when you're integrating more than one light, especially if you're doing light ratios or you're trying to do a, an isolated background, that light meter saves you so much time because there if you've never used one before it might be complicated if you're new to photography might be a little complicated but all you got to do is you pop the light you know with that light meter right in front of your subject and it tells you what your your camera needs to be set to or it tells you you know what your background how your background is exposed or a hair light or something like that um I, I think that, you know, and I, I use the Seikonic just like uh, I think Robert was saying that. And yeah. uh, I uh, I really like it. I have a, I've had it forever and it works great. It's a really simple one. But um, I, I think that if you're doing any kind of strobe photography with especially with more than one light, then it's it makes things so much easier. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's it's. You know, I hate wires, so it's, I think it's it's the future. And, and no, the other thing was. um the uh the robert i heard you what you were chuckling about light meters in general when nicole was talking about how people right. don't want to use them what why do people need to use them in your opinion i mean you you've been shooting since when you needed one and when right. you, you know you had to use an abacus to sort of uh calculate your life right <laughs> do, you, do you i think it's an i think it's a necessity it's a must for every photographer i mean you should have one in your bag if you're you know you care about light and, and what else like, even forget about flash even uh, available light. like yes i know you can get away with not using one um but, you know, shooting digital is much like it was shooting transparency, you know, to expose for the highlights, not the shadows. And, and you know, sometimes that's critical, especially shooting a white dress or um, now I don't always bust mine out at the wedding either. But um, I, there's one in my bag and I use it quite frequently. I think it's one of those things that, uh, you know, new shooters are kind of afraid of and goes hand in hand with flash, too. I think a lot of people would just rather shoot available light and be done with it. But I think if you really want to know your craft and, and you want to, you know, get better at it, you know, using flash and incorporating a meter will really help you get there. Yeah. Yeah. And, and just to sort of build those, like you're saying, to build those synapses in your brain to understand that, oh, this is this lighting condition. Like I, I said before, Robert, like well, you and I were hanging out one time and I, I think I we're somewhere 
in LA and you, I asked you, okay, this scene right here, how would you capture that? And immediately you're able to rattle off an F stop, F stop and a shutter speed at a particular ISO, you know, that kind of intrinsic knowledge of what, what an exposure should be being ingrained in your head. I think a light meter can help you get there because then you can look at a scene and say, yeah, I think that would kind of be a 60th of a second at F five, six and then yeah, meter it and then get it right. You can like look at the light on the back or front of your hand and kind of like know you know what it's doing. Now, just so for all fairness, I think we were talking about one uh, ISO which was four hundred because mm-hmm. that I shot four hundred film when I shot film, so I pretty much knew that inside and out and could get within you know a half stop or stop of you know what I was at any particular situation. But even though like I you know be outside in a shade shooting portraits and I get like oh it's you know. 255.6 right now, uh, I, I would still check it. Yeah. You know, I still use my meter even though, um, and you know, you get a lot of photographers that talk about using their histogram on their cameras. If they use their meter and they knew exactly what they were shooting, you know, it will coincide with their histogram. It will look, you know, right every time. Yeah. There's, there's one more thing that I'd like to add about light meters and using them it is let's say you have a setup and you're photographing something and you know, you want to be at a certain ISO you know, which like I usually when I'm doing stock, I'm always at ISO 100. Well, if I meter and it says I need to be at, you know, let's say one one sixtieth of a second at f5.6 at ISO 100. And then I go and take that picture and it's way overexposed. I got to go look at my settings and I'm like, whoops, I had it ISO 1600 and it way overexposed the photo and I didn't realize it. I wouldn't have caught that if I was doing everything in camera. Yeah. So just kind of a nice little, you know, kind of a backup plan to, if you if you want to yeah, yeah. check your settings so. Bruce, and those of you who look kind of real quick so, go sorry. ahead go ahead robert <laughs> those of you who are you know even dabbling in video then it becomes important too like i know Saconic makes a nice meter uh you know that does both but you measure your, you know even if you're using a constant light source you know that becomes critical then again as well so there's meters for different things you know there's color meters and you know it gets a little advanced but um even the one for uh, video, I forget which one is, but made by Sekonic, it's 150 bucks, $200. It's really not that expensive. They really make a nice little meter that's very affordable. Yeah. What about you, Bruce? I was going to ask you, um, in your, your day-to-day wedding photography, are you the, you know, just look at the histogram in the back of the camera, or do you meter? Uh, for the most part, I'm relying on the meter and the camera, but I do have one of the Sekonic meters as well. So if I'm setting something up and using some, I've been starting to work with a bit more, uh, a bit more lighting and that kind of leads a little into my pick, uh, this week. But, uh, so yeah, I definitely do use it from time to time. Not all the time. Cool. Well, let's take this. Let's, that's a good segue into your pick. What's your pick? Of the How about week? that segue? <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, this is this is the segment where guests can pick again can give a pick. This is a, a pick of the week. This can be software, hardware, gear, workshop, as long as it's photography related. And Bruce, your pick is my pick this week is the Paul C. Buff, the Vagabond Mini Lithium. So I picked one of these up a few weeks ago, and it's basically a, a portable battery system. It's a it's a lithium battery um, for those who are familiar with the portable battery systems out there a lot of them are fairly large and bulky and heavy and so unless you've got a a nice hefty assistant to uh, carry things around for you uh, it was a bit of a pain so these these new uh, vagabond mini lithiums are great because they're small uh, they're rechargeable uh, you can get a Depending on you know the power of your strobes and and what you're firing, you can you know probably get three four hundred shots out of one, um, and so they're uh, they're great portable power system basically. So if you're out in the field and you want to you know uh, bring your strobes out and do uh, do some stuff 
out of the area of electricity. The, uh, they're great because they're very portable and lightweight. So, how many? How long does it last? A long time. Long time. I yeah. know someone. Someone who just did a shoot. They did, they tested it and they said they got over six hundred frames off of it in studio Jeez. lights. Whoa! And I had the one prior to this. And it was so heavy, I actually ended up giving it away to somebody because I was like, I don't even want to bother with it anymore. This thing weighs like ten pounds, and I don't want to move with it. So was that the Ranger? No, it was the va- it was the, vag- the Vagabond too, yeah. the vag- or the yeah, Vagabond rather. Like Sorry, the, yeah, yeah. It was yeah, so it the- had like a car battery in there or something. I don't know. It was yeah. really heavy. <laughs> yeah, the new one's great. The new one's really great. Awesome. You so can you're, also you're using them too, Robert. Jeez. Yeah, I well, I, I've always used white lightning lights, so uh, they, you know, they work. Obviously, that's Pulsey Buffett. Buffett sells them, but uh, and they work with the, you know, white lightning, Alien B. What's their other brand, Bruce? He's got one other, one other light source. They have those new Einstein lights are great too. Yeah, very cool. All right, Robert. Uh, this is. A, I hope you have had enough time to pick a pick. Do you have a pick that you want to share with the audience? Yeah, I'm just going to keep it simple. Uh, we talked a little bit in our last interview, but uh, I think your media cards are important. And uh, I think I told you I love Lexar cards. I've always been brand loyal to them, just for the fact that you know early on I had an issue with one card and. Uh, I sent it to Lexar after finding out that I could do that. And not only did they, it was just spinning in my computer and it wouldn't acknowledge it. But, you know, of course I was freaking. And not only did they recover the images and send them back to me, they sent me a brand new card, uh, which I thought was, which was great. And, you know, now the card speeds have come up there, you know, 600 time write speed. And I've just always been brand loyal to them. I've never had an issue with my cards and, you know, I've always stuck to Lexar. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I'm a big fan of them as well. All right, Nicole. What is your I, pick of the week? I have two. I always have two. You always have two. I do. I one it. of them is self-serving, though. So um, <laughs> the first one <laughs> is Canvas Pop. And it's uh, I, I found them. I think I saw – actually, I think I saw Jack Hollingsworth Twitter about them, um, just kind of a random Twitter with their name. And I was like, oh, I wonder what they are. So I checked them out. Uh, they, they just basically do printing on Canvas. And I printed one for a, kind of a charity thing that I'm giving to and – I loved it. I'm actually going to reprint one just for myself uh, when I get finally get settled in Seattle. But the one things I one of the things I really like about them, uh, other than that, their website is so simple and, in a good way. You know, it's very clean and minimalistic. It's easy to use, and uh, they'll give you a proof of your photo, like a, a, a virtual proof of it before you actually you know say yeah that's good, uh, and then they'll print it off of that. But they can print them inside of these wood frames, hmm. and it's like so instead of having just you know the canvas all the way around so that's what you see on the sides you can have them kind of inset inside of this frame and i just i really like it oh, so that's really cool so yeah so canvaspop.com and the prices are pretty reasonable they're not very ridiculous you know um so I, I actually really like them i'll probably use them for a lot of my canvas stuff um and then my second one is i just finished actually i have to send some stuff off to my editor today, but I finished my food photography book. Yeah. Uh, so it's going to print this week and it should be available in about a month. That's cool. That's cool. And that's yeah. through Peach Pit. Where can people it get is. it? Peach Pit, well, Amazon, you, all the you can, usual sources. Yeah. You can pre-order it on Amazon, Borders, Barnes and Noble, and probably through Peach Pit. Uh, so do we have a title yet? It's food photography from snapshots to great shots. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty easy to find. Occam's razor straight to the jugular. Yeah. <laughs> All right, cool. Thanks, Nicole. All right, my pick of the week is a site that I found that I think everyone is going to actually go to and use today. So basically, um, <laughs> I want to play this audio file first. This is a this is an audio file that that reminded me of this site after I saw it. So let me click on this and play it. Tell me if you remember this. 
Play the whole song, Frederick. <laughs> no, I will not play that song. <laughs> but you remember that song, don't you? Actually, that's a clip from the movie Full Metal Jacket that was then brought into uh, right. a rap song from Two Live Crew called Miso Horny. Horny, something. Anyway, uh, but. There's the, your title, Frederick. <laughs> you know, totally. <laughs> Uh, but this site called Fiverr, it's five with two R's, Fiverr.com, um, is a place where you can get people all over the world to do crazy things for you for $5. So not $10, but just $5. And Nicole, you were poking around on this site. What, did, what have you seen in just a couple of minutes of poking around on here? Well, like right on the, and it, it probably will change, you know, but on the front page that I got to it, uh, there's this guy who's, I, I can't tell how old he is, but he's not, you know, he doesn't have the best body, <laughs> put it that way. <laughs> and he's basically hold, it's, it, his title is, I will hold a sign, I hold up, I will hold up a sign and s- saying anything you want and record a 30 second video for $5. And yep. so he's basically like holding the sign and dance, because they show little previews of what you get, you know, you could get, and it says, the sign just says Fiverr.com, but he's like dancing around and things are jiggling and it, it, it's, it's. <laughs> Things are jiggling. Well, it's like, not like that, you know. Like he's shirtless. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you know, some of the things on this side, I'm looking at it right now. Is like, I will give you a Spanish lesson on Skype for five dollars. I will make a stop motion speed drawing animation of your logo for five dollars. I will speak your message in the cartoon voice of your choosing for five dollars. And it goes on and on and on. You could you could put your gigs up here or get people to do stuff. And the, how this relates to photography is, I was thinking, you know, I need somebody to go through my Flickr pages and just start keywording stuff why not just pay people five bucks at a time to take a category and keyword it you know or just little crazy things like that so it's like uh distributed outsourcing for five bucks you can get people to do whatever you need them to do for five bucks and you know it's easy <laughs> so i know robert's robert your brain is cranking right now <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't even know <laughs> you like <laughs> Ahead, this reminds me of a Craigslist ad that one of my fellow photographers in Edmonton posted on our Facebook today. And there was a couple somewhere in the States and they were looking for someone to photograph their wedding for free. But in exchange, they wanted the whole affair photographed, oh. <laughs> including the ending of the evening. Oh, you know oh. hey now. <laughs> dear oh dear what are people willing to do i don't know what wow. would you do for a klondike bar uh i would close the show i think we're <laughs> at the end of another <laughs> this week in photo uh robert where can people go to find out more about you uh you can find my website at robertevans.com um there is uh a blog that attaches to it that i occasionally post to at blog.robertevans.com but of course you can find that and then on Twitter, it's just at Robert Evans. Awesome. And Nicole Z, where are you at? Well, I have a blog, and it's NicoleZblog.com. It's spelled N-I-C-O-L-E-S-Y blog. And I'm on Twitter at Nicole Z. Awesome. And Mr. Clark, Bruce Clark, where are you at online? You can find me on Twitter at Bruce Clark. That's Clark with an E at the end. Or my website is momentsindigital.com. And I'm on the Google Plus with some long random string of numbers. <laughs> five, so seven, two, four, one, five, seven, eight, eight. Yeah. There's no easy way to share your Google Plus ID no, with people? Not yet. 
What? You, you, your prof- if you had a Google profile before, it would basically say your Gmail account, you know, before the at gmail.com. Yeah. So they're, I think, trying to make it. Uh, we had a Google guy come into one of the Hangouts and he kind of explained this to us. So hopefully they'll change it, you know, to, you know, like mine can say Nicole Z and, and et cetera. For that other, seems you know, kind of fundamental. So. I mean, like, hey, follow me on Twitter.com slash Frederick you know. Yeah. Um, Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. Well, it's new, right? So Yeah. <laughs> All right, cool. Thanks, guys. If uh, Listeners, if you want to keep up with everything in the TWIP universe, you can head over to thisweekinphoto.com. There you'll find links to our Facebook fan page, our Twitter page, and more. And if we can get our Google Plus page running, <laughs> we'll put that up there. And if you haven't already, grab a copy of our free 10 TWIP Tips ebook. You can find it at thisweekinphoto.com forward slash ebook. And if you're looking for me, Frederick Van Johnson, you can check out my blog at frederickvan.com or follow me on Twitter at twitter.com forward slash frederickvan. And with that, it is time to take that lens cap off. This Week in Photo is a Pixelcore.tv production, produced by Suzanne Llewellyn, with technical producers John Riley and Alutha Jamakar.